This podcast is brought to you by Podcast Nation. Welcome to the Mom Room Podcast. My name is Renee Rena, and I am definitely the mom friend you have always wanted. Okay, so this is a book club episode. This, we are doing it super late. Like we literally made plans probably like 25 times to record this episode, but like sometimes we would both just forget or, you know, like something would come up and we just kept pushing it and pushing it. So we're finally recording it today. So this is for November's book, which was (laughs) Didn't See That Coming by Rachel Hollis. And there was a whole backstory to this, you know, like we were just like picking out books and Jen just suggested like, oh, what about this one? Like Rachel Hollis has a new book coming out, like perfect timing. Like maybe we could choose this for November. And I was like, okay, perfect. I had only read her book, Girl, Stop Apologizing. I didn't read the first one. So her first book was Girl, Wash Your Face. Yep. Yeah. And then the second one is Girl, Stop Apologizing. I read the second one. I enjoyed it. And I even bought the first one, but I haven't read it yet. Um, Because I was like, yeah, it's pretty good. Like whatever, easy to read and just like advice and makes you feel like, yeah, like I'm going to go be productive and do stuff, you know? Mm -hmm. Um, So I was like, sure, let's pick this one for the book club. Thinking like most of the podcast listeners or people that follow the book club are people like us, like 30s, late 20s, females. Everyone's going to love this book. This Mm -hmm. is the perfect Mm -hmm. choice. And then as soon as I announced it on Instagram that this was the book, I got so many messages from people who were like, how could you pick a Rachel Hollis book? Like, why would you support her? Like, like serious messages that I was like, holy shit, like what's going on? Did not expect that at all. Me neither. Um, So I found it so interesting because some people were the opposite end. They absolutely loved her and they were like, oh, this is awesome. Like, I love her books, love her stuff. And then there were people that were like, how could you pick this book? Like, this is awful. Like for someone who has a platform, like, why would you support somebody like Rachel Hollis? Like serious messages. And I was like, okay, clearly I need to look into this. So a bunch of stuff came up because I had listened to a few podcasts that were kind of about Rachel Hollis and why people dislike her, I guess. So there was the stuff about the MLMs. She has spoken at different conferences, which are MLM businesses, which is multi-level marketing. Marketing. Okay. So in statistics, MLM stands for multi-level modeling. So I always get confused. (laughs) Okay. So multi-level marketing. So those are the things like, like what, like doTERRA, um, beach body. Okay. Um, so kind of like the pyramid, that's what they are, right? Some, yeah. I mean, I think that some people will argue that some companies aren't pyramid okay. and other people will say MLMs are like, you know, I was trying to read a little bit on it too. And I find it so confusing and I'm, I'm not in that world. So I don't understand all of it. Yeah. Um, but there's people who either like you love them, you hate them or like, I'm just kind of neutral. Cause I don't know enough about them to be yeah. honest. Same. I don't know enough about them. And I also have heard a few times that in Canada, we have different rules mm-hmm. 
for businesses like that than the states does. And so the states, uh, like in the states, it could be a lot more of like a, a problem than it could be in Canada. But yeah, I received some messages from people who I know who are in like work in the MLM like industry for yeah. whatever company and are like, they like this like pays my bills like that I was able to be like a stay-at-home mom and like you know pay our rent our mortgage whatever so it was hard for me to be like completely shitting all over MLMs or being like well maybe it works out for some people like I don't know like yeah yeah. I think like I would in terms of MLMs kind of am neutral because I'm like you or I know some women that have been successful and or are still successful um but you know I think that some people sometimes see them as like predatory and like, um, you know, making promises that women, especially, I think a lot of them focus on, um, bringing in like women into, into their MLM, into their, whatever company that they're promoting. Uh, and a lot of people I think don't make money. So I think a lot, or some people end up losing money because you have to buy a certain percentage of product. So again, I'm not well-versed enough to have an opinion one way or the other. I'm I'm not part of an MLM um, and I haven't, you know, done any significant research to really have an opinion, but like you, I think I'm very surprised at how strong some people's opinions are because they think that Rachel Hollis supports MLMs. And so now because of that, they, they discredit her and they, they don't like her. And, and I was just shocked by that. I didn't one, I didn't know if she had, and I'm still confused as to like, is she involved in MLMs or does she just speak at some of their conferences because she's a motivational speaker and that's her business. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and, and so I'm just still shocked that people are, have such a strong opinion on her because she's maybe associated or maybe not associated with MLMs. Yeah. And I think some people look at MLMs as being like predatory to women who like maybe struggling, like they're stay at home moms or whatever it is. And so for her to kind of align herself, you know, someone who is very like, you know, pro women and like supporting women to align herself with a business that is known for that. I think people get upset about that. Yeah. But as far as I know, it was just that she had spoken at conferences. So literally it was like they hired her to speak at their conference, which yeah, that's what like, she does. Like that is literally her job. Yeah. To, so to be a motivational speaker and an influencer. And, but you know, what's funny. I know we haven't really gotten into the book yet, but while we're on MLMs, there is a part in this book yes. um, on page 146. So I don't know if you want to get into it now, but where she basically is going against MLMs where she's telling people, you know, she's just talking about like, you need to hustle basically. And if you need to work two jobs to support your family, like do it or, uh, you know, just do, there's no shameful jobs, basically just get out there and, and, and support your family, which in and of itself, I sort of had problems with like some of her language there. Um, I didn't necessarily love it in, in and of itself, but she was basically, um, she t- talks about don't go and get a business that you then have to spend $700 just to start. So is that a job at MLMs? Like that's what, how I read that, right. was basically like, don't go get a business that you then have to invest in, in order to get your first paycheck back. Yeah. So I don't know if she just threw this in because there's controversy around her in MLMs. Like that's what it felt like to me because it's this random one yeah. paragraph, like thrown into the book. And I was like, Whoa, where did this come from? And so I kind of felt like it was a defense mechanism. Yeah. 
No, I, someone, I was reading reviews about this book the other night and someone pointed that out and they were Mm -hmm. like, how can you like be supportive of these businesses and then like trash them in your latest book? Um, but yeah, so this book came out in September, 2020. Uh, we had it as our November book. And to be honest, like when I started to get those negative, like the feedback about like, you know, like, why would you pick this book? I was like, do we change the book or do we just keep this as the book? Like we had time to change it, but Mm -hmm. I was like, no, this is super interesting. Like, I would like to read the book and see, you know, what I think about it. And then also like talk about this, you know, huge, like varying, like people loving her versus people hating her. And just like that is fascinating to me because she is like a female that is supposed to be like supporting women and be like motivational and and then there's people that absolutely hate her so yeah. I just find that fascinating because yeah. I can't think of a male who's in her position where like people are so polarized like, for yeah polarized exactly which and I forget what quote I, I saw this quote and it was it was from Rachel Hollis and it said something about like like if a man writes a bad book or makes like bad decisions, the book is bad and his decisions were bad. But if a female writes a book that's bad or makes bad decisions, the female's bad, Mm -hmm. you know? And I thought that was like, I could see her point to that for sure, because I feel like as women, we're so um, ready to like, just go on attack and like attack the person as opposed to like, the message that they're putting out or the book that they wrote or, you know, like, whereas you don't see that as much when it comes to like male authors or, you know, even like celebrities. Yeah. And I, I wonder like, um, in terms of our cancel culture. So, you know, I think this has like, there's a lot of points. This isn't like Rachel did like one thing and then people are canceling her out. So that's, you know, in the world that we live in now in 2020, sometimes that happens where you, you do one wrong thing and that's it. Like you're off of everyone's radar. But I think women generally tend to be like suffer more from cancel culture. And so that's plays into it. I think, you know, yeah. My husband and I both turn the big four zero next year. And we have been thinking a lot about our long-term health. We want to get smarter about our health, make better choices, but also not feel overwhelmed trying to separate fact from fiction. There is so much information out there and it can be hard to figure out what applies to you, what is right, and what is wrong. Well, let me introduce you to the Zoe Science and Nutrition Podcast. With the help of world-leading scientists, they help you make smarter health choices every week. Don't just take my word for it. Naomi's Apple Review says, Zoe Science and Nutrition is super easy to consume even if you don't understand the science. With loads of actionable tips, a great mix of guests, and interesting cutting-edge science. You can't go wrong with a weekly podcast where world-leading scientists explain how their own research could improve your health. If you're ready to join millions of others like Naomi transforming their health, then search for Zoe Science and Nutrition wherever you listen to podcasts. Shout out to Claritin for supporting this episode of The Mom Room and providing me with samples. You know how a lot of people can't leave the house without a water bottle? It's like their emotional support water bottle. I am the exact same way with facial tissues. 
And that is because I have such bad allergies, specifically in my sinuses, to the point where I know I'm going to have to blow my nose multiple times in a day, and I cannot be out in public without my emotional support facial tissues. Luckily, for those of us who live with the symptoms of allergies, we can live Claritin Clear with Claritin D. Designed for serious allergy sufferers, Claritin D has two powerful ingredients in just one pill that relieve your allergy symptoms and decongest your nose so that you can breathe better. This double action combination of prescription strength allergy medicine and the best decongestant available relieves sneezing, a runny nose, itchy and watery eyes, an itchy nose and throat, and sinus congestion and pressure with ease. Now I know if I have a big event, maybe I'm going to a concert, going out for dinner. I don't want to be blowing my nose every two seconds. It's very unbecoming. And so I will take Claritin D and enjoy my evening. Ready to live life as if you don't have allergies? It's time to live Claritin clear. Fast and powerful relief is just a quick trip away. Find Claritin D at the pharmacy counter or ask for Claritin D at your local pharmacy. You don't even need a prescription. Go to Claritin.com right now for a discount so you can live Claritin clear. Use as directed. I don't know why we're criticized more or held to different standards, but I, I, I personally, like that's maybe just my own opinion, but feel like we are. Um, and so, you know, I think Rachel probably feels that from, from her audience and from the media and, and from people who like go from loving her to literally hating her and then writing about it online. Right. And I get it. Like if you are famous and you're an influencer, you're a motivational speaker, you're an author, she has a podcast. She has her, her blog. She has her Instagram. I think now she has a fitness app or, or some kind of app. Like, so she's out there. And so, and as you know, like people are going to hate, like people are going to be trolls and they're going to do negative, have the worst comments and feel like they have an opinion on everything you do in life. And so obviously like Rachel does talk about how, you know, you kind of take that with a grain of salt, but in this book, there's actually one part of it where she does talk about, like, she's, you know, there was a period where she was taking it super serious or really personal. And she felt like she needed to reply to everybody and always justify it. And now she's at a point where she's like, you know what, people are going to think what they want to think, and I'm going to continue to move forward. And so I think that she's done a really good job of that, even like with this book, right. There's been a, with her first two books, there was like, you know, media, like, um, negative messaging around it. Um, in this book, there was even more of a hype around that, which I didn't know at the time when I picked the book, yeah. um, but she just keeps like marching on. Um, people continue to love her. And, and I do admire that. Like, you're not going to love everybody. Yeah. Um, I think she could sometimes do a little bit, maybe own up to some things a little bit more. Like for example, some of the con, I don't necessarily want to say controversy, but some of the things about this book that some people didn't like was uh, not even really about the book, but about the fact that Rachel and her husband, Dave, were getting divorced um, because they um, promoted such a healthy marriage and some their business, part of their business was aligned on how to like have a healthy marriage and how to like stay like friends and spunky and, you know, like have a a good love life, things like that. Um, and then all of a sudden they announced they were getting divorced. And so some people were like, how could you go from like making money off of what a healthy marriage is. And then all of a sudden you're getting divorced. And in my mind, I'm like, well, one, like shit happens. Like you don't, yeah. we don't often predict these things. Like life changes. 2020 was a crazy year. You, you don't actually know what's, what was going on in their day-to-day -day lives. But part of it where I would like to see Rachel kind of own up is like, yeah, this is a business. This isn't her and Dave's business. So, and people as a consumer, 
you need to know that too. Like Rachel Hollis is a business. Yeah. So I kind of like, I I, I don't like, I think it sucks that a marriage fell apart. Like that's never fun, but I don't hold anything against her for that. Like, what was she supposed to do? Like go on, like either way would have been wrong. Cause if they continue to fake it, people would criticize them. They get divorced. People criticize them. So there's like a lose, lose situation. Yeah. I think for her, I think people expect her to be very like open and vulnerable and it's just kind of like obviously she wasn't with that part of her life if you know they were giving like marriage you know lessons online or whatever they were doing um but it kind of made me think about Glennon Doyle as well because remember she was talking about how she went on the book tour or whatever it was and like she knew that her marriage was ending but like she had just put out this book and like I don't remember it specifically but I think it's just like, I think like Glennon wasn't like, was she giving marriage advice? I think it's the fact that they were like selling tickets to like, you know, like showcase their marriage, how happy they were and try and let you get the same thing. Like, try right. and ha- like, you know, yeah. like here, we'll tell you every, like all our secrets basically. But obviously there's some degree of them not being honest while doing that if right after they got a divorce so I think that's what people have an issue with but I do not have an issue with people I like I think there are people out there that are like trained in psychology and can give amazing advice on like beating depression and stuff but still be depressed like I think that has nothing to do with your ability to teach other people and like give advice so like I I I don't like that part of it because I think I've been reading a lot of messages or like reviews and stuff. And that's kind of people's like complaint. And it's like, well, just because they got a divorce doesn't mean they can't give people advice on how to have a good marriage. Like, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, That's, that's exactly it. And like, you know, you know, as consumers of this kind of content, um, and you're, if you're buying tickets to certain shows or, or conferences or online events, whatever they are, like, you know, there's also, I think everyone needs to take everything with a grain of salt these days. Like who just look at the the person that you are going to see and what their credentials are. And, um, I mean, and ultimately like, I, I just look at it as like, they, they are a business and there's going to be certain business principles that come into play, um, because they need to keep their business running. A hundred percent. So to take it back a little bit, full disclosure. So I thought it would be fun because I love listening to podcasts when I drive my load of daycare and home, or if I'm running errands, I was like, oh, I'm going to get the audio book for this one instead and see how it goes. So I got the audio book and I listened to, I had a long drive to get my hair done. And I listened to, I think like the first two chapters and like, I had to turn it off. I yeah. couldn't listen to it anymore. And did she listen- narrate the, like the audio? Yes. Okay. Okay. Yeah. I don't like the way she narrates, like the way she talks, like her tone of voice or like her inflection. Like, I don't like it, but I just instantly, I just found like, this book is completely not relatable at all. Like I don't, yeah. I cannot even like I just can't and so I didn't listen to it 
And then you told me to listen to chapter seven. So I did that. Um, but that's it. And my husband was like, you have a book club and you're going to go talk with Jen about the book and you didn't read the book. And I was like, no, I did it. I don't yeah. like it. Like, and, and that's so fair. Like, I think I have this weird quirk where I have to finish a book, whether I like it or not, but so many people don't. And I think that's really fair. Like time is so precious, whether you're listening to it audio or you're reading, like if it's not connecting with you, like don't read it. Like, I think that's always true. Like no one has time to do something that is not inspiring to them this this book and again like very few books in my life have I had no connection with and unfortunately this is literally one of them I I just and I I much like you I really liked um girl stop apologizing like I zipped through that book and I remember taking notes and I remember thinking like there was nothing like necessarily groundbreaking but it was interesting and I remember like being able to to take actionable things that I still reflect on this book one recycled a lot of her material from book one and book two, but also this is supposed to be a book on trauma and it's so all over the place that I think a lot of people would have a hard time connecting and, or maybe even feeling bitter reading certain parts because she just really lacks like depth and, or sometimes even understanding in terms of what trauma really is. Yeah. And so then after I read this, I'm like thinking like, you know what, like, like you said, not everyone necessarily needs to be trained in a profession to give advice, but there's something about the way she's present or talking about trauma that just made me think like, I think that people should maybe read a, if you're dealing with trauma and you need advice, I think maybe it should come more from an expert or she needed to go deeper and give like more real example. Like the way Glennon wrote her book, like Glennon also went through a trauma, like a trauma. Mm -hmm. And I was super connected in that book and there's takeaways and the way she told her stories and she connected with real people. This book is so, so, so surface level that literally most of the time in my margins, I was like, fluff. I don't, I don't really know what she's saying here. Like kind of what's the point. And so, you know, I was trying, I like to try to take a, get takeaways away. And it was kind of hard to do that for most of the book. Yeah. And that's like one of the things about Glennon's book that I remember thinking is like, I don't necessarily relate to anything that she's talking about, like substance abuse, like, you know, eating disorder, um, like being, uh, being gay, like all those things, but everything could be like generalizable to like anyone's life and what yeah. they were going through this book was very like like you were saying surface level and also I feel like her advice is like and I uh, someone someone's review said this where she's very just like well you just got to pick up your boots oh, yeah. and keep going and it's <laughs> like I don't know she doesn't talk like that but <laughs> <laughs> but like that's very much the message is like like there's no um, like healing or, you know, like taking time to do work to, to like process trauma and like yeah. get through it. It's just kind of like, keep going. You just yeah. got to do it. And it's but like, that is like, pick up your, your boots and carry on. I think that is her part of Rachel Hollis though. Like that tone in that language also is in book one and book two. So I, I, I'm okay with that in the sense that like it follows her style. And, and again, sometimes when I'm writing, I'm like, Whoa, like this is coming off as or reading. I was like, Oh, this is a little bit harsh or, you know, you're, you're just very, she's 
blunt sometimes, but that's kind of her style. But then I would expect her to go further in or like, what are the takeaways here for the audience? Like when, when readers are reading this, it's sometimes I was left with like, okay, but still, what do I do? Like when she talks about setting boundaries and then it's like, okay, but how do I set boundaries? Like, I love talking about boundaries. I could talk about boundaries all day. She, there's like three quarters of a page on boundaries. And then there's nothing for a reader to really take away from that. And I was like, no, like we need to like one, like, I wanted her to explain like her struggles with setting boundaries maybe, or, and make it relatable. And then like people can have actionable things to take away and kind of just fell flat. A lot of times, like a lot of her topics are, are good. It's just, I felt like it was a little bit all over the place for a book on trauma. And then it was very, I, I can just like describe it as very surface level. Like there's no depth. There was no real takeaways. Um, Maybe though, if you hadn't read book, her book one and two, you might have a little bit more takeaways because some of the content is like recycled. Like she just can, you know, goes back and forth with some of the, her topics, but I'm not sure because like, like you were saying, like you, you couldn't even really get through Mm -mm. the first two chapters. No. And I don't know if it would have been different if I was like reading a physical book. Um, I don't know. But yeah, I just really didn't like, just was not getting anything at all from it. And like, she jumps, like the books on trauma and she'll, she'll maybe talk a little bit about like losing a child. And then there's a chapter on finances and then like getting your health in order. So I just felt like it was disjointed in, in some of it, like good, yes, good advice, but also seemed random at points. Yeah. Um, and then even, she even kind of contradicts herself. Um, I forget what chapter it's in, but she talks about if you are like, let's say you're struggling with divorce, you know, try to find books that aren't on general divorce, but like, what is your specific problem that you have? And like, find like do your research and find sources on that specific topic. And I was like, well, that seems to be contradicting then this book like if you're mm-hmm. you're having a trauma with a specific subject like loss of a child let's say maybe doing finding books or resources that are connected to that topic would then be better than reading a, a generic like yeah. over generalized book with some one thing that one of the reviews see I didn't read the book so I was like reading other people's reviews <laughs> uh, which was actually pretty helpful but so one of the reviews was saying how like it all seemed very like calculated in that they got they like announced that they were getting a divorce and then the book came out and the title of the book is didn't see that coming which kind of implies that it's going to be about like didn't see my divorce coming and at the very beginning of the book even though it was in the editing stages when they got the divorce yeah at the beginning they put in like her very first sentence in the book was something like we filed for divorce like something something like that I don't know what it was anyway in the audiobook she she said that something about her divorce yeah so it made me think that the whole book was going to be like about their divorce yeah. and about like didn't see that coming and it's almost like it was very calculated to sell books yeah and then when you actually get into the book it's very similar to her first two books and there's nothing like not much about the divorce at all yeah so yeah the very first sentence is three days into editing this book my marriage ended 
Yeah. And so I totally agree with that. Like, that's part of the reason why I kind of picked this book. Cause I was like, whole oh, crap. Like Rachel Hollis's marriage is ending. And like, I thought she would like, then like, yeah, put a book together, which is really quick, but you know, it's, it's COVID people, no one's like really doing anything else. So people are turning out content like crazy, like Taylor Swift put out two albums. This yeah. Year. Like, so I was like, okay, cool. So I agree. Like, and that's how I felt like it was marketed to me. And so, mm. you know, when I was writing some notes, I, I said, I'm really shocked that the divorce makes very few appearances throughout the book. And then I was like, well, you know, maybe it's still so fresh and so raw and she doesn't have to talk about it. And so I was like, okay. And I kind of justified it and I forgot about it until you bring this up now where it's like, but wait a second. I do feel like that's how the book was marketed to me. And I thought it would go more into that trauma of like, holy crap, her marriage of, I don't know how long they were married for 16 years or something like that was ending it's their business they have a pot like they do all of their work is together and so I was like wow like this is this is crazy they they have um kids together like what is this going to look like and then it wasn't really like that it was again just random yeah thoughts on uh, struggles that people go through so that's it's interesting that people are calling that out because uh, I definitely thought that too, and I tried to justify it by the fact like, oh, she doesn't need to talk about her personal life, but at the same time, it's like that's kind of why I wanted to read the book. Yeah, and and, and they know that. Yeah, yeah, I think she just like wanted to get a book out, and it everything just like was good timing, and I think they did try and market it that way to sell books. Yeah. This episode is brought to you by Little Spoon. If you're like me, then the bane of your existence is thinking about what to feed your children, prepping food, going to the grocery store, all of the above. Who has the time? We are all so busy, and it's important to incorporate things into our life that keep our life as simple and convenient as possible. Little Spoon is one way to do just that. They deliver fresh, healthy meals and snacks straight to your door that your kid will love at every eating stage they are in. The baby blends are fresh, organic baby food from single ingredients to multi-textured purees to take the stress out of starting solids. They partner with Clean Label Project to test their blends for 400 plus contaminants, including heavy metals. So you know you're getting good stuff. The Biteables are finger food meals that are cut to size to promote easy self-feeding and they are healthy, balanced, and free of artificial junk. The Little Spoon plates are toddler and big kid meals that are free of junk and they taste amazing. Even the pickiest eaters will love them. Think hidden veggie mac and cheese, chicken nuggets, and adventurous eats like potstickers, gnocchi, and more. They also offer really fun things like puffs, they have smoothies, lunchers, and snacks. You quite literally never have to think about food again. It's just easy peasy. And did I mention this all comes right to your door? It is so flexible, so easy, and everything stores right in the fridge and freezer. The price is right. The quality is unmatched. You are going to love it and your kids are going to love it. It is just a huge win for your family. Simplify your kids' mealtime with 30% off your first order. Go to littlespoon.com slash momroom and enter our code momroom at checkout to get 30% off your first Little Spoon order. This episode is brought to you by Lola V. Lola V is an award-winning hair care line by none other than Jennifer Aniston. They offer clean, plant-powered products for every hair type and texture. I just did my whole hair care routine with all the products the other night and I am obsessed. Along with incredible 
shampoo and conditioner. They have an intensive repair treatment that you can use once a week. They also have a lightweight hair oil. There's a leave-in treatment and there's also a glossing detangler, which I need because lately I want to do my hair in like a slicked back look, but my hair's too frizzy. Get 15% off Lola V with the code MOMROOM at www.lolavie.com slash MOMROOM and Lola V is L-O-L-A-V-I-E. <sighs> okay. Are there any other, did you want to talk about chapter seven? A little I do bit? because it blew, okay. like I had a hard time with that chapter. Like I completely don't agree with yeah. her. So you listened to it, the audio yeah. that chapter. So what did you think? You're a parent. I, I thought it was like, I felt bad for her parents listening to that chapter. Like yeah, I felt, okay. I felt like she had like zero, um, like understanding of like what her parents must have went through or like, like, yeah. I, just, I just found so for it those who odd. haven't, yeah. So for those who haven't read it or, or don't remember, maybe we'll just refresh your memory. So it's, it's chapter seven and it's called show up. And this is where Rachel, um, <clears throat> describes what her and her family went through, um, when her brother, um, died by suicide. I think she was 17. I think she said 14, 14. So she was a teenager. Um, and then she kind of talks about the struggles that her parents went through and how their relationship, um, never like her relationship with her parents basically failed in, in that moment and never recovered. And the chapter goes on to talk about how parents, even when they're going through trauma, really need to step up and be there for their family. Um, and while I, I sort of ag- agree, I, I don't to some really. extent, like, <laughs> like the thing is like, she was not four or five years old. She was 14. So like, what did you want them to do? And you know what? The part where she talked about like she had moved away to LA by this time, I think she was like 19 or something because her whole thing was when my brother died, I lost my parents at the same time. Like they stopped parenting me is what she kept saying and referring to. And she was like, she was 18 or 19 and she had already moved out to Los Angeles. And then she came home for Christmas one year and her parents did nothing for the holidays. They didn't like plan a party. They didn't plan a dinner. And I was like, is she fucking complaining about this right now? Like it blew my mind. Yeah. I I was like, wow. Like, how is this what she's complaining about right now? No, it it was like, I, I agree. Like I was shocked, shocked by that. Um, and the lack of empathy for the yes. struggle that her like her parents they lost a, a child and the grief- in my mind when she was complaining about that Christmas in my mind I was thinking so why didn't you and your adult sister fucking plan something and invite your parents like <laughs> uh, you know what I didn't even it's funny that you it's funny the takeaways that you were like focusing on that like for me like the the thing in this chapter that like I really struggled with when she says it's your job to be strong for them. And like, as in regard to your parents, even if you have to fake it, that's what you signed up for. And I can't believe that she wrote that because in 2020, no one should be faking anything when it comes to your emotional well-being and your mental health. And if you are grieving, I, I don't understand how that's a message that we want to share for people. Um, 
And, you know, she says like, if you're grieving, still make those pancakes. Don't let your kids see that you're struggling. And I just don't relate to that. I think that, uh, grief comes in all shapes and forms. Um, and it's awful when people have to go through it. And if you have kids, um, but to, to fake it, um, and to not let your kids see you go through uh, grief or struggle or your, you know, to really see who you are. I just feel like that's such a disconnect. And I don't know if that's really a positive message. And it's definitely not a message that I stand behind. Mm-hmm. It's just, and it's interesting because it's not like I was listening to that chapter thinking like, like, like her parents did the right thing. Like, no, I don't think that they did. But what she is suggesting and what she thinks would have been the right thing is so bizarre to me. Mm-hmm. Like, why, why aren't you saying like, like we could have like sought out counseling, like family counseling or like something. Yeah. But no, she's just like, you should have just faked it and, you know had Christmas ready for us when I came home. Like it's crazy. Yeah. Especially at the age that her children, like, or she was at, because, uh, you know, I, like, I've seen my parents go through grief, um, you know, in and around those same ages. And like, I think like, you know, it's even with my dad, like there, I have a big connection with my dad because of a, a family situation that happened when I was 17. And like, I think the way he handled that was, perfect. Like I saw his, he was super vulnerable and I saw him struggle and I saw him break down and, you know, he, he did work his way through it. Um, and we got through it together as a family, Mm. but if he would have faked that just to protect me and my siblings, then like, what would I have learned from that? I also then have to go through life faking it and, you know, not expressing yourself, like not, yeah. yeah, Feeling emotions, not being sad, not like, yeah. yeah. Like life is hard. We, it, there are, there are peaks and valleys in life and those valleys sometimes are extremely low. And to just tell people like, "Mm, buckle up your shoes, or I don't know that expression because that's not an expression, (laughs) but, but basically just to like suck it up and move forward. Like I, you know, I just, when I read that, that was the part in the book where I was really like, oh, like, I really don't agree with this message here. And then, you know, what was funny in this same chapter, like I'm, this is not related to the topic, but she ends the chapter with, um, moving your body. So this chapter, she talks, she ends it by be fanatical about managing your stress. And then it goes on, um, to talk about, the kind of self-care I am fanatical about, and you probably know this, is moving your body every day, staying hydrated, eating foods that are good for you, taking your supplements, spending time away from social media, talking to a therapist, and most important, getting some freaking sleep. So while I don't disagree with the things that she's saying, again, it's just like, seems disjointed. Like, why is that little bit of information thrown into this chapter a chapter where, well, there's points where I, I didn't love the way she was like presenting, like telling people to fake it, but I liked her vulnerability, vulnerability. Like, I think that she did connect with the readers here, but then she ends it this way. And so I was like, Whoa, where, where did this come from? Like, why is this nugget like slipped into this yeah. chapter? Like, it just seems disconnected. And so there, like, 
that's just kind of like what I felt a lot through the book was like, there's pieces that I was like, oh, cool. And then it like somehow ended on an off note and then it lost my interest. And so when at the beginning of this, when we were chatting, when you said like, we kept forgetting about the podcast, it's literally because I keep forgetting about this book. Yeah. Like there, I didn't really have takeaways. I'm not, it's not a book that I think I'll go back to. And, and, you know, I dog, dog dog-eared the the pages to talk about the podcast, um, which also normally I wouldn't, if I really like a book, I would never dog ear the pages. (laughs) Um, But it's not a book that I think I'll pick up again because I'll want to reread a chapter. Whereas Glennon Doyle's book, like there's parts in that book that were hilarious or that I remember like literally feeling connected to. And so I might reread parts of it because I want to have that feeling again, or, you know, like, why was I so connected to it? So I think that's part of why we also kept forgetting to record the podcast is because it like literally slips out of mind. Yeah, that's a good point. Like, I didn't learn anything. I couldn't relate to anything. Like, I had, and I got what I got through maybe three chapters. Yeah. Um, yeah. Was there anything else for you that, like, I know chapter seven stood out and it was kind of shocking to listen to at some points, but was there anything else that stood out for you in that way? Um. No, I think, you know, and I've just said it a a bunch is just that, like, I think it's disconnected. I don't really think that if you are going through trauma, that you're going to get a a lot from this book. Mm. Well, you know what, there was actually, there was something, um, it's early on. She talks about, um, identity crisis and she talks like part of it's cool. is like, you know, identifying, like you might identify like, Hey, I, uh, you identify with your job and then you get laid off. So now what is your identity or she yeah. talks about, like other people might have an identity for you. So it's, especially as an influencer or someone who's famous, like people like project things onto you and that becomes part of your identity, even though it's not. So she does talk about like, Hey, your identity is you and you own it. But she talks about like different types of identity crises that people go through. And I just remember again, thinking like, I don't really know if she should be giving advice on identity crisis, because it's, I I just wasn't sure if that's more of like an expert thing to be giving advice on. And it kind of felt a little bit all over the place. And I remember not being able to follow along in that chapter and really not connecting to like, you know, and I, I've had periods in my life where I felt like I didn't necessarily know who I was or if the, if was I just going through the motions of life, you know? So I feel like I've I should have been able to connect to that a little bit more. But again, as I've said multiple times throughout this podcast, just surface level, like she just like brushes on the information and then doesn't really give any takeaways for the reader. Mm. Or even when she has like personal anecdotes there, again, they're not really in depth and they're, they're kind of like, so what? So (laughs) no. So yeah, other than that, no, there's nothing that really stood out like positive or negative. A lot of it was just like, I read it and it's kind of, out of mind. Yeah. But I do want to say like, this doesn't mean like, I'm not like a, I'm not pro Rachel Hollis, but I'm not against Rachel Hollis. Like I'm definitely neutral. Like I, I still liked girl stop apologizing. I'm sure that there's tons of negative parts that people have to say, or negative comments that people have to say about that book. I read it last year, really enjoyed it. Um, so I don't necessarily have an opinion on, on her. And I think that's fair. Like it's not my job to have opinions on people um, on the internet or authors. Uh, yeah. I find it very bizarre that so many people have such strong feelings. Like I, 
I found that strange, what which I you? mean, like, I, I, I always find this strange because, and it goes the same thing, like with music that I choose to listen to, it might rhyme with hiss, hiss down, Chris <laughs> Brown. Yeah. Like people lose their goddamn minds if I say that I like Chris Brown and it's like, mm. Okay, I shouldn't say that. I I like I don't know him. So no, I don't like him, but yeah. I like his music and I enjoy his music and people lose their goddamn minds and it was the same thing with this book. Like why would you support you know, a book from somebody like this? Like blah 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 like and Yeah. I was like, "Wow, well, I found one of her books good and like, you know, valuable to read." So, like I don't look at people that are in the spotlight as like, like where I would like personally attack them or have yeah. these like strong feelings about them. Like, I don't know them. They are not in my life. Like, yeah. like I don't. And it's like, well, why are you supporting them? And it's like, to me, like reading books, listening to music, like watching movies, it's just a form of entertainment. Like if we knew all the things that these people do in their personal lives and it was like, you know, presented on the media every two seconds, we wouldn't like any of them. Yeah. You know, and we would just would not have any more entertainment in the world. Yeah. Like, yeah. so I, I try to separate like the product that they're putting out from the actual person. Yeah. Always. I mean, I guess sometimes it's hard when it's like, you know, the product that Rachel's putting out is Rachel Hollis. Yeah. <laughs> so I can, you know, but that's, I don't follow enough of Rachel Hollis's content to have an opinion on Rachel Hollis. I also just don't think that I would, I think to each their own. Um, I, I still do believe that, you know, she is a business. Um, so yes, she is a person, but she's also a brand in and of itself. And so she represents that brand. Um, like I said, I liked her other book. Uh, I actually read, I did read both of her first two books. I liked the second one better. And, and just as far as it comes to this book, would I recommend it? No. I wouldn't, I mm. wouldn't buy it as a gift for somebody. I, I wouldn't really even actually give this copy away to recommend <laughs> for someone to read it, which I actually <laughs> wouldn't even put my drink down on this copy, like to hold my drink. <laughs> I wouldn't even trust it for that. Yeah. It might fall over, but that doesn't mean that like, uh, you know, I have anything negative to say about Rachel Hollis herself. Mm. And I, some people might still find it interesting. And again, I'm also, I am okay. If you like for someone who hasn't read her first two books, maybe there are takeaways. The part that I'm getting a little bit like, meh, is that the, the, there's so much similarity between the three books. And so now I've spent how much money on three books where some of the messaging is the exact same. So now yeah. it's like, if she puts out a fourth book, I'm probably not going to purchase it because I don't trust that there would be enough new information in it. So mm -hmm. that part where I'm a little bit like, okay. Do you know Anyways. who Gary V is? Sorry? Do you know who Gary Vaynerchuk is? No. Oh, okay. Why? It just struck me like that because I'm trying to think like who would be like a male version of like what Rachel Hollis is. Mm. And he like, if there's anyone, like I would guess it's him. He's very much like a motivational person and his his like his messages are very like brat, like blunt and like to the point. I share his TikToks a lot. Um, I love him, oh, but I'm, I'm, text me his name. Okay. I'm just curious. Like, 
are there people out there who like hate him or is it because he like I'm just curious oh probably I feel like you know uh you're always gonna have people that either like love somebody or hate hate somebody like people people like love to be on one extreme or the other like I think like there's not a lot of people that are also neutral but generally I think like you're gonna find people who are like love versus yeah yeah like there was people loved people that hated her and then there was people that were messaging me like because I was putting up all these like dramatic things on my stories as we were like investigating her and people were messaging me and then I got so many messages that were like uh who the fuck is this girl yeah (laughs) but now they're like I have no idea who this is but I'm very invested in this yeah Yeah. I'm sure if people like saw the book cover because for girls up apologizing like it was everywhere yeah but I mean ultimately like I don't know people I love for people to have opinions and thoughts and to be passionate but people can also do that in a a, like a more constructive way like I'm really you know I don't like cancel culture I don't like all of like the really negative comments, like you get some of them and you brush them off and you laugh at your TikTok haters. But like, I just don't even get where people find the energy to do that. And like, when it comes down to it, like Rachel Hulse is a person, she's a human being. And so whether you like her content or not, if you don't like your content, don't buy it, don't read it, but you don't have to hate on her as mm-hmm. a person. And so it's like that part that I really, I just don't like, I don't get it. It's 2020. Like with can't we just be nice to each other? Yeah, apparently not. (laughs) Totally. All right. Well, that is it for this episode. Our December book, even though it's literally almost January, I'll just let you know, our December book is Fucked at 40 by Tova Lee. And I am probably three quarters of the way done. I'm going to read some more tonight. Um, I love Tova. I already know that I love this book and we'll, we'll probably have a lot to talk about in this book maybe we can get her on like a zoom chat Ooh, that would be fun it. yeah um but yeah anyways all right thanks jen hey see you later dude bye bye